0: Welcome to our podcast episode on the treatment of urothelial carcinoma. In this episode, we will be discussing updated results of the Phase 3 EV301 trial presented at ASCO 2022 that examined the efficacy and safety of infortumabvidotin, or EV, versus chemotherapy in patients with previously treated locally advanced or metastatic urothelial carcinoma. I am your host, Anna Christofides. Our guest for this episode is Dr. Namira Ali Mohammed. Medical Oncologist and Clinical Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Calgary and Medical Oncologist at the Tom Baker Cancer Centre in Calgary, Alberta. Hope you enjoy it. So hello, listeners, and a big welcome to Dr. Ali Mohammed who has joined us from the Tom Baker Cancer Centre in Calgary, Alberta. So welcome, Dr. Ali Mohammed. Thank you for having me. So at the recent ASCO 2022, there were updated results of the pivotal EV301 trial that were presented. So I'm just wondering to start if you can highlight those results for us.
1: So at this year's ASCO, by poster presentation, updated analysis of the EV301 study was presented. So to remind everyone, this was a pivotal study looking at infortimab versus chemotherapy in patients with previously treated advanced urothelial carcinoma. So this was really a trial that was done in the third-line treatment setting. Patients had received prior platinum-based chemotherapy, and they had progressed on immunotherapy. Patients were randomized to receive infortimab-vidotin, which is delivered intravenously, day 1, 8, and 15 of every 28-day cycle, versus pre-selected chemotherapy, so either docetaxel, paclitaxel, or vinflunine, and that was given once every three weeks. What we saw earlier data was based on the interim analysis. The data cutoff date from that was July 2020, and that was when 285 events had occurred. The data at that time was very promising. We saw a significant benefit in terms of progression-free survival and overall survival for infortimavidotin compared to chemotherapy. What was presented at this year's ASCO was the updated efficacy and safety information over a median follow-up period of approximately two years. Basically, to summarize the results is that we saw the median overall survival benefit was maintained even with long-term follow-up. So the median overall survival within Fortimavidotin in this patient population was 12.9 months compared to 8.9 months with chemotherapy, with a significant hazard ratio of approximately 0.70. Progression-free survival, similarly, was also maintained. That benefit was maintained. Median progression-free survival was 5.6 months with EV, compared to 3.7 months with chemotherapy, and that's nearly identical to what we saw after the interim analysis. Looking at the subgroup analysis, The benefit of EV was observed in the majority of pre-specified subgroups. There were no big changes there. And most importantly, safety was also basically the same from what we saw after the interim analysis. The findings were consistent. There were no new safety signals observed with long-term follow-up in this patient population in this study. So the authors concluded that we saw continued survival benefit of EV versus chemotherapy a sustained magnitude of benefit and safety and tolerability that was also
0: maintained. That's great. Thank you so much for summarizing those for us. And, you know, how might these results of the EV301 trial really influence Canadian clinical practice for these patients?
1: Anna, we've been fortunate here in Canada in that we've had access through special access programs to EV um, since Health Canada approval many of us have been able to access this option for our patients based on the results that were presented after the interim analysis. So this updated data solidifies our use of this agent. It gives us more confidence when we talk to our, you know, funding agencies and our provincial authorities. And I think it also gives patients more comfort, more knowledge, and more experience knowing that we've been using these medications We know how to manage some of the finer details, and we'll talk about that in a minute.
0: Yeah, that's a nice segue to the next question. I was going to ask you about your own clinical experience in using EV after platinum and anti pdl one therapy. If you could talk a little bit about that, that'd be great.
1: So I have to say that each patient that I've used EV in has been unique. So, you know, each patient will come in with baseline performance status and toxicities, and volume of disease that will impact how they feel and how we can treat them with EV and all of the other supportive things that we might need. You know, for example, I have a patient who was very well with minimal toxicities and has been on EV now for 6 months without any additional concerns or issues that have developed in the interim. So his volume of disease is low, he is marching right along so we gets his treatment every week. We do blood work every week. It's three weeks on, one week off. And he is continuing to respond and his quality of life is very good. We haven't had to dose adjust in him. I have another patient, you know, who had progressed fairly quickly after pdl one immunotherapy and she has a huge burden of disease and pre-existing neuropathy that was minimal. So with EV for her, we've had to take dose reductions. We've had to take breaks. We've had to give her treatment breaks to allow her fatigue to improve. We are at a lower dose for her. Her disease continues to respond. But again, we're treading more carefully in that case. So I have a range of patients and each patient is unique. And as we treat more patients with this medication, we're able to dose adjust. We're having more confidence in that. We're able to you know, treat their neuropathy better as we get more experience. We're able to decide easier and quicker, you know, when does this patient need a break? to help to mitigate some of these side effects that will be occurring, knowing that some of these patients will be alive a long time. So we're trying to preserve their quality of life as well as their quantity of
0: life. That's great. And it's great that you're learning as you go and and improving, uh, you know, the, the unique treatment for each patient. So just thinking more about EV and other studies that we could discuss, what other ongoing studies are there looking at this therapy that you find interesting? And what could be their potential impact on future treatment?
1: That's a great question, Anna. We currently um, are enrolling patients on the EV302 study, which is in the first line. So patients with metastatic or locally advanced carcinoma who have not received any prior systemic therapy for their metastatic disease. And we're looking at the combination of EV plus Pembro versus standard chemotherapy in this setting based on early phase results, this combination looks very exciting and we are all eagerly anticipating the results of this study as I do think it will, it may change practice and it may influence a lot of what we do. For example, if we use EV plus Pembro first, then do we go on to chemotherapy and what are the outcomes from that? And I think it will lead to many more questions that we'll have to answer in the future. So that's number one. The other study I think is really interesting is looking at EV plus pembrolizumab in patients who are chemotherapy ineligible in the neoadjuvant setting, so who are cisplatinum ineligible. So looking at this molecule, this antibody drug conjugate in earlier stages of disease. So I think as we answer those questions, many more questions will come up, but we're looking forward to these advancements.
0: That's wonderful. And and thanks again for such a wonderful synopsis of these ongoing trials. I'm just wondering, you know, how might the availability of therapies such as EV impact patients who have this disease?
1: From what I've seen in my own clinical practice is that the impact has been huge. You know, we have patients who, prior to five years ago, were treated with platinum-based chemotherapy, and then we did not have great options with the proven survival benefit. Then came along pembrolizumab, which shown a benefit in the second-line setting, And we also have maintenance of ALIMAB now, and we all now have infortimab in the third line setting. So post-immunotherapy, this means patients are living longer, and it'll also mean that they'll be around to experience the benefit of other new developments that might be coming down the road. You know, for example, we have the option of ertifitinib, which is an oral targeted therapy And so that's another novel agent. And I think that as we have patients who are living longer, they're able to, you know, maximize the benefits of all of these lines of therapy. And we're extending our overall survival for these
0: patients. Well, that's a really hopeful message for sure. And so thinking into the future, what do you see as really the key unmet needs for these patients?
1: Anna, that's another really great question. You know, I think there's two that I want to highlight. One is precision oncology. So we know that ideally we should be doing molecular testing. So checking all our advanced urothelial carcinoma patients for FGFR mutations, because we have an option if they do have a pre-specified mutation or fusion. We don't have, you know, universal access to the testing and it's quite expensive if patients want to pay for it. Um, And I think as we move into the future, we need to think about how do we get the best treatment at the best time for that patient? So we need to think about that more as how do we increase the accessibility for this testing to patients? And then the second area that I hope we make some impact on in the near future is variant histologies. So there are lots of patients with pure small cell urothelial cancers or bladder cancers or plasmacytoid variants or other variants that um, we know don't do as well. And how do we best treat these patients?
0: Those are some great points. And so, is there anything else you want to add about what are some concrete next steps for improving the outcomes for these patients?
1: This is a great timing to actually be able to think about this now. So, you know, previously our patients didn't live that long. And now we have patients who are living with their disease longer, which means that they're being maintained on treatment for longer. So, we have to think about improving their quality of life while on these treatments. So, how do we? take care of these long-term issues that we can anticipate. For example, neuropathy. Are there early interventions that we can do? We should be talking to our patients about, you know, smoking cessation, about dietary changes, about regular exercise. We should be having, you know, clinics and multidisciplinary teams that help us manage not only the side effects of EV, but also the early and late immunotherapy-related toxicities that we know can occur. The other issue that I think is really important is looking at the caregivers. So we know that caregivers of our patients with advanced urothelial carcinoma experience a high degree of distress and burnout. How do we help our caregivers more? How do we manage not only our patients' expectations, but also the caregivers' expectations? So previously, when I would give someone a diagnosis of advanced urothelial carcinoma, you know, we would talk about a timeline. And that is very much less defined now because if someone responds very well to treatment, their survival might be much better than what our historical numbers would tell us. So we think we have to look at those two areas as we move forward.
0: Well, those are some excellent points and also really hopeful messages in there as well. So there just anything else that you would like to add before we conclude the discussion?
1: You know, I think that it is with a tremendous amount of excitement that we talk about all of this data you know, we've come a long way in the last few years and the momentum is to keep improving outcomes for these patients. And we're very fortunate that patients are able to access all of these novel therapies.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for your time, Dr. Ali Mohammed. That's really inspiring and informative episode. Thank you so much. Thank you.